You're listening to the Leaving Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Tokes Arotere. This is episode 39. Welcome to the Leaving Inside Out podcast, where we believe in the power of a compelling story. Episode 39 is Got Imposter Syndrome? Rewrite your story for success. How are you doing? What's been going on? In Nigeria, we say Kilon Shele or Sean Roll, which is a mix of um, English and Yoruba, which my mom cannot stand. She calls it bastardizing the Yoruba language. <laughs> she cannot stand that. This week for me has been a bit of a roller coaster, and I cannot even put into words how. One week you're living with a certainty that disaster is right around the corner and the next, the dead end opens up into a whole new world which you need to learn how to navigate. I'm thankful for life itself, not for existence because that's just going through the motions, but life, you know, in order to, what is that saying they say, to win it, you've got to be in it. So if you're going to win at life, You've got to play at life, the type of life where you find yourself happy one moment, unsure the next, because this is what happens when you are simply not existing, or rather not simply existing. I've just finished reading Maya Angela's book on her relationship with her mother. And yes, I've got two other books that I've started, which I haven't finished. But once in a while, like now, I need that spark of creativity. And she's one person whose books carry a bucket load. People who don't follow the beaten path are simply fascinating. And we can always draw courage from them, whether they're dead or alive, to step away from the mundane. And my go-to person is Maya Angelou. Other interesting news is I'm looking forward to the Write Your Rockstar Story Workshop. This is a single module that I've pulled out from a program I've been working on for a while now, and I decided to test it by running it on its own as a workshop. And you too can be a tester by joining in. There's a small charge of £25, which is nominal. And the reason it's that small is because I want your honest feedback. But in addition to that, I felt it was necessary for me to pull out this whole um, Rockstar Story workshop now because I've just been getting uh, so many, or should I say, I've been having many conversations with different women in particular who are going through it, whatever it means to them, you know, and in, in conversation with them, I believe that the root of the problem is not the problem itself, but it all begins with one thing, and that's how you see yourself. This morning, I was thinking about how, as women, we are raised not to think too much of ourselves. I don't know if it's culture or society or even religion, but we tend to shrink away from thinking of ourselves in a positive light. It's not to say that we think down about ourselves or, or, or dumb ourselves down all the time, but it's just that when there is an opportunity to shine, 
we can't shine because we don't recognize that there's any light inside of us, especially when you're going through stuff. And so that error can be corrected by changing the way that you see yourself. And a great starting point is to rewrite your story in its rockstar version. Now, if you are not familiar with a rockstar story or my rockstar story, head to episodes one and two of this podcast to get the full gist. The class will be running for two hours on the 12th of June. It'll be done online and you can register at talksarotoray.com forward slash workshop or just scroll all the way down and click in the link in the show notes. Don't leave it too late though, as spaces are very limited. No two people's lives are identical. Okay, scratch that. (laughs) No two people are born with identical seeds in them. And by seeds, I'm referring to the fullness of who you really are. You know, your purpose, personality, your gifts, your proclivities, all squeezed into a teeny tiny seed that is just rich with potential and waiting to burst open. That's what I mean by a seed. No two people were born with identical seeds, not even identical twins. And yet we find ourselves comparing our walk with others and we end up using other people's lives, not as an inspiration, but as a template for how we live ours. I used to attend a church where the pastor was so loved that some of the guys dressed like him. One of them even went as far as purchasing the same car and another began to speak like him because some people, they take this whole mentorship business into another level. We compare ourselves when we believe that Our surroundings can give us a clue into how awesome we are or how rubbish we are. And so what we do is set up a physical standard that becomes our measuring tool. And every single time we fall short because no two people are the same. But then there are times we use our insides to judge how we're feeling did our dream or the picture we can imagine that we wanted did it become fully manifested or is it is that just a, a poor version of what I really want? Now, I know that the fact that you're listening to this podcast means that you recognize the importance of working on your mind and we can never underestimate it because everything that we do, everything that we say, every idea that we have, it all begins in the mind. And you need to check regularly on it to see what's going on. So you can uncover dangerous alliances like the imposter syndrome, which is what we're talking about today. And if you haven't heard that term used, this is how psychology today describes it. People who struggle with imposter syndrome believe that they are undeserving of their achievements and the high esteem in which they are, in fact, generally held. They feel that they are not as competent or as intelligent as others might think, and soon enough people will discover the truth about them. So recently I wrote a piece for a project I'm working on and I I found myself sidestepping my achievements and instead 
of, you know, really defining who I was and what I do, I rolled it and shortened it into one hyphenated word. And my friend looked at it, she read it, she picked up on it and called me up on it. And my response was, I don't want to be too much. That, my friend, is imposter syndrome. I wouldn't pretend that I have studied the mind to the point where I completely understand the condition, if that's what we're going to call it. In fact, the only studying I've ever done has been on my own life and my mind and how it all shows up. But this much I can say, it is a limiting mindset and it does you no good. Imposter syndrome lies to you, telling you that people are being deceived and they will find out about the real you and you are not as deserving as they think you are and you are nowhere near as good as they think. In other words, you're a fraud and soon you'll be exposed. This mindset is such a hindrance to our success. For one, the mental energy that we spend playing up to the camera, because even though in real life we're not frauds, (laughs) And I say we because this is common amongst women. And I recently read particularly black women or even more more higher in occurrence with black women. It's important for us that people don't find us out. So we're just, you know, solving or running around trying to find a solution to a problem that doesn't actually exist. One day I received an email from a weird looking email address. It was an invitation to a reception. I ignored it because I assumed it was spam, not because of the weird email address. Well, that was part of it, but it was mainly because of what the, the, what the invitation was about. A week or so later, I received a phone call and it was from the prime minister's office. They wanted to know when I'd reply to the invitation they had sent because he was uh, holding a reception at his residence in honor of Black History Month. The reason I thought it wasn't real was because I didn't believe I had done anything notable enough to receive an invitation like that. Anyway, I I replied in the affirmative because I checked my calendar and the only thing I had planned was more laundry, more dinners, writing notes to teachers for, for for my boys and all of that wonderful mommy stuff. I don't know why I was so nervous, but I The night before the event, I spent all of an hour, two hours maybe, going down the rabbit hole that is Wikipedia as I searched for interesting facts about their family. My real interest, of course, was in his wife, the decision maker, the would-be buyer of baby furniture from the baby cot shop and nowhere else. The plan was connect with her mother to mother and casually mentioned that the baby cot shop sold the world's most beautiful furniture for babies and children. When I arrived, there was a queue outside. We had to show our passports and uh, I panicked because I was the one person who did not read the small text that really was written in very big, bold red letters. And the text said, bring your passports and a printout of the invite. So when I saw fellow guests with paper and passports, I I bawled and knew I was in trouble. So I went up to one of the policemen nearby and explained the situation. And uh, he got me in. 
Meanwhile, I was praying that my phone battery wouldn't die on me because the only proof I had that I was actually invited was on my phone. But anyway, I got in and that was fine. That didn't help the fact that I was feeling I didn't belong and they would discover there was a mistake. And what what that did was in some very weird way uh, became some sort of confirmation that I was in the wrong place. Weird, I know, but that's what I was thinking. As I walked up the stairs, looking at the walls, painted in mustard yellow and pictures of uh, people I recognized, like the queen and people I did not recognize. With each step I took, I just thought, nah, I'm not meant to be here. I'm looking at all the celebrities and accomplished businessmen and women and convinced myself that they were supposed to be there, but I was. I struck up a conversation with an MP and since I don't watch politics that much, I had no clue who she was. And she referred to the prime minister on first name basis, the same way that I say Susie or Mary or Titi or any of my friends, like they were old friends. And again, I believed mm, you're meant to be here. You're one of them. I'm not one of you guys. And although I was standing in the prime minister's home, not as a tourist, but as his guest, I decided that perhaps she could connect me with him because she was closer to him or maybe connect me with his wife. And that's really something, isn't it? Imposter syndrome is a B word and it will have you asking for what you already own because you don't believe you have a right to it. She was also an educator and had recently raised a few millions for a cause. Can't remember what the cause was, but then comparison stepped in because that's what it does. It has to thrive on a standard that's physical and not necessarily yours. And so my syndrome compared her cause of raising multiple millions and compared it to mine, which was non-existent and raised zero. <laughs> and again, I fell short, which further confirmed I wasn't meant to be there. Now that I look back, I don't recall how she spoke to me, but I'm fairly certain that she did so with the most respect and friendliness. But on the other hand, it wasn't so much as how she spoke to me, but it was more like how I viewed her. And I viewed her from a place of docility because of what I thought about myself. So we exchanged details and I told her I'd visit her sometime and in all honesty, I had no real interest in her. I had no particular interest in what she was doing, her cause or anything like that. But the only interest I had was an erroneous belief, which is that she was closer to the top than I was. And somehow she could help lift me higher too. Ever been in a situation where you feel disrespected? Well, it might not be that they don't respect you. It might just be that you don't respect you because what you think of yourself determines how you present yourself. And this in turn informs people how to treat you because your thoughts create and project a specific image or picture of you. And that's what people receive and respond to. For years, I didn't believe I had the right to be great by myself. I thought I needed the greatness of others to act as a conduit or 
permission for me to be me. And that's why people want to hobnob with the rich and famous and they'll do anything they can to name drop or to be seen with those that they've somehow managed to identify as being great. Listen, you are enough. And since we leave from the inside out, we who are doing the recording as well as the listening, we know that our enoughness is found inside us. It's not found outside. It's not found with a celebrity, uh, an MP or an organization or a president. Michelle Obama said, never believe there is a room that you have no right to walk into. And the scripture says, every place your feet shall tread upon, I have given to you. So as usual, I want to pull out three associates or dangerous alliances to imposter syndrome that I've identified. I believe that it requires fertile ground for it to grow on. And these three pointers are the are examples of fertile ground on which imposter syndrome can thrive. The first is people pleasing. We've got to talk about the disease to please, which I've shared in past episodes. And I can speak as an authority on the subject because I used to have it bad. When you leave to please others, you will dumb yourself down to so-called help them feel good. You'll dim your light so others don't get illuminated by you. Rather, their light becomes your light when God created you to shine yours in the world. Understand that if you don't become exactly whom God made you to be, you'll be depriving many of seeing the way to their own path because the fulfillment of your purpose brightens their path so they can find their way. People pleasing is one trait that makes it really easy to live with imposter syndrome comfortably because they both involve diminishing your greatness in the presence of others. The second culprit is insecurity. Maybe you were put down as a child, which isn't always obvious. It could be something as simple as people laughing at your ideas or saying, what do you mean? Or maybe even just growing up in a space where you never really saw anyone achieving what they said they were going to do. And you, you've, you've, um, picked up the belief or le- or you are leaving with the belief that it's not possible anyway to have what you desire. Or perhaps it happened in adulthood when you were in a vulnerable place. Listen, did you know that the timing of words spoken can determine the effect the words have on you? There are people who are inspired by words that are spoken like you're not never you're never going to excel in this particular area so like michelle obama comes to mind and she whenever she was told she was not harvard material she thought i'm going to show you and she'll do it well sometimes we all have moments like that where we uh, ha- we have a, a, a more of a an active response to people's words or to the words that we are even saying to ourselves and our active response is nope i'm going to do it even though you're saying i can't but then there are moments in our lives where those same words saying you can't achieve this 
will find us acquiescing and saying, yeah, you're right, I can't, and then we give up. And I believe that it is in a time of vulnerability that we lose our ability to fight back and take what's really ours. I think about the time when I had my uh, my, my major trial. This was following the loss of my first business and I had lost everything and my family and I, we moved back to England with absolutely nothing, had to move in with a friend. That was a very vulnerable season in my life. I was trying desperately to look, look around me for hope that the dream I had in my heart, even though the physical version of it no longer existed, that I could still bring it to life. And in that period, a lot of the experiences I had, a lot of the refusal or the rejections I had formed a a stamp in my mind and it became very difficult to shake it off later. They began to form uh, pictures in my mind of, no, you can't do this. And it was only because I was told no in a season where I was feeling vulnerable and empty and unproductive. And then when you're going through that and you hear words and the words that are spoken to you in that moment, they appear to align with the challenge that you're going through. Those words tend to have a high amount of believability attached to it. Insecurity creates a fertile ground for the imposter syndrome to grow. And then it becomes a vicious cycle that you'll keep trying to get out of it because every win will be questioned and every question will be supported by your insecurity. And so when I was going through that challenging season, feeling vulnerable, hopeless, um, struggling and trying really hard not to feel like a failure, Besides my faith, which just kept me alive, literally, and stopped me from completely giving up, what moved me from a place, and it's not even moving, what propelled me from a place of neutrality and um, shock, because I was in shock that this was happening, was rewriting my story rewriting my story in its rock star version. The day I read an article in a magazine where two versions of the same person's story was told, or we're told rather, one version was called the sob story, which is, oh, I lost everything and I tried really hard and nothing's ever worked out for me, which was my story at the time. And the second story was a rock star version, which was I did not give up when I lost everything. Instead, I got up and I tried something else and I did X, Y, Z. And at the end of the article, the the author said, rewrite your story in this rockstar version. I didn't need a second invitation. I needed to do that. I was so inspired by what I had just read because I had never seen people tell their story in two different ways. I just thought there was only one reality. And for me, mine was the horrible one I was living in. And so I rewrote my story. And when I reread it afterwards, my spirits were lifted. I was encouraged. And from that moment on, every time I felt discouraged, I'll just grab that piece of paper and I'll reread it. 
and I'll feel encouraged. And without meaning to, I, I memorized it so that when I started to meet people, either through networking or whatever it was, and they asked me how I got into my business, I, w- I didn't start with, um, um, well, I was uh, trying out and then I uh, lost everything. No, my rock star story just came right out of my mouth. And that story continues to open doors for me today. Every single time I share that story, when I have a business opportunity, the answer is always yes, because it is unique. No one else has your story. It is unique to you. People haven't heard that before. Nobody wants to hear the bog standard, uh, oh, there was a need in the market and and I created it. And yeah, here I am. We're all tired of that. There's not, not every business starts off because there's a need in the market. And even if it did, say something different, something that's more memorable. And that's what I'll be teaching in the workshop, Write Your Rockstar Story on the 12th of June. And the third imposter syndrome, fertile ground, is false humility. Imposter syndrome is not humility. Many people shrink back from the attention their achievements bring because they equate being celebrated or or rather they, they interpret praise or receiving praise or recognition of praise as prideful. And this is very common, as I said, with women. When I meet businessmen and applaud them on their success or refer to what they have done, they pull their shoulders back and say, thank you. Yes, I worked very hard for it. But when it comes to us, (laughs) we say things like, oh, we're very lucky. Or if you're a Christian or whatever your faith is, you might say, well, it it was God that did it. It wasn't me. Or you might say, we still have a long way to go. It's really nothing. Diminishing your hard work and achievement is not a sign of humility. It's a clear sign of imposter syndrome. It says you don't believe you have earned whatever it is, and so you minimize it. And there are many dangers of making it stay or allowing it to become a part of your life, which we already know that it's not good to have, but I just want to drive home three more points so that you can recognize the urgency in addressing and managing this thing. Number one, you will lose out on opportunities. People are watching and listening to you. Just because you feel like a fraud when really you're not, does not mean that others think the same thing too. They trust you. They look at your achievements. They look at the work you've done and trust that if you could do all of that, then you're the best person for the job at hand. But sadly, That's not going to happen because when you verbally play down your achievements, they will also trust that you know exactly what you're talking about. And by your intellect and your judgment, you've just told them of your inability to fulfill the task, whatever it is. Another danger is the loss of confidence. There's only so much battery in the mind can take. Whatever you constantly hear, you will eventually believe. The feeling of not being able to take control of your own life is unpleasant and it can be paralyzing. The loss of confidence, like most negative emotions, will spread, most likely spread to other areas of your life. 
And so the longer you tolerate it, the more it grows quietly, kind of sneaks around your mind into other, other areas, and the problem becomes more difficult to identify and operate. Another reason why you need to get rid of, or, or should I, maybe I shouldn't say get rid of, but recognize and manage and handle imposter syndrome with an iron fist <laughs> is that you will lose the strength of resilience, or should I say the muscle of resilience, which is being developed through life's challenges every day that you go through a difficulty and you bounce back your resilience muscle is becoming stronger. But permitting imposter syndrome to remain makes that muscle flaccid. And it means that giving up will become a lot easier for you to do because now your mind believes the lie that you're a fraud. Want to get rid of imposter syndrome or want to learn to handle it better? Then join my Write Your Rockstar workshop. Write Your Rockstar Story Workshop on the 12th. It's the one thing I did, as I said, that changed my perception of myself. And it then led to me walking through doors that I was previously scared to even look at. So it reintroduces yourself to you and removes the lies that come with failure while at the same time highlighting your achievements. It's not running away from failure. But failure is learning. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And so we learn in the workshop how to recognize it for what it is, which is, oh, I didn't know that. Now I know. And also pull out your successes because what that will do is re-educate you into what you're capable of doing. And at the end of the workshop, you would have written your your um, story or at least received a guide to write your story uh, first for yourself. It will encourage you greatly. It will give you uh, the confidence to walk through opportunities and also build your resilience muscle because for as long as we remain in this world, there are going to be challenges that will challenge you to quit. If you know someone who needs to attend this workshop for whatever reason, perhaps they've been through a string of challenges over the over the, the years, or they've lost their confidence, or things just don't seem to be working out for them, then send them my way or send them the link. In exchange for the cost, which is nominal, I ask for feedback. So they're going to have to give me feedback as well. And thank you to those who have already booked a spot. Click the link in the show notes to reserve a space at talksarotory.com forward slash workshop. And if you want the full gist of the evening I had at Downing Street, I've left a link in the show notes to my old blog, Popo and Mango, where I gave a full account, including the guy I mentally started dating for my friend. You are amazing. It has been an awesome 26 minutes and 55 seconds. And I thank you for listening. Till next time, remember to live from the inside out. Peace. Peace. I don't know why I said peace. It just felt right.